I really feel that there's a word here today for somebody, maybe a lot of people, that, that feel like feel like you've been dropped. And, and I feel like this word is also for some people that know somebody that's been dropped. And maybe they've given up and maybe they're just angry or maybe they're bitter or just hurting, but they need some help. <laughs> and I want to talk to you today, and the, the title of this message is Ziba. And I, I don't know if you know who Ziba is. Let's just go to the text, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Of course, David is king now. Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. And there was a serpent, servant, servant. Some servants are serpents, yes. Whew, glory. There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. I love people who report that way. Instead of coming to church and saying, Can I be blessed? They say, I'm at your service. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. There's one person left in the family who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machor, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Now, when Mephibosheth, I won't ask that you say his name. That name can go wrong really fast. The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face, prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. Mm -hmm. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Ooh, glory. So, so then he bowed himself. And he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog? You ever feel like a dead dog? Oh, be honest. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. Wow. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now, Ziba was a busy man, if not tired. Ziba had 15 sons, didn't even, didn't even count the daughters, and 20 servants. Wow. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all my Lord, the king has commanded his servants, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Like one of the king's sons. Now, 
over the years, I've, I've preached on this from time to time. But, you know, there's certain scriptures you got to revisit. Amen? I mean, what do you expect? i got to hit them a couple times after 40 years, right? It's got to hit once in a while. But I, I want to look at this differently. I've preached about Mephibosheth. I've preached about David before. Let, let, let's look at Ziba because Ziba had a role to play in this. So we'll, we'll get into this. But, but here's the first thing you need to understand. Ziba, his whole life was about serving the king. He, he lived to serve. That was his only job description. There, there was to be no other promotion, but when Saul was king, Ziba was the guy and his sons and servants who, who he was uh, Saul's main servant. He took care, but now, but now Saul is dead. Jonathan, his son that David loved, he is now dead. In fact, just about everybody in the family's dead. And this isn't unusual because when a new king comes in, guess what happens to all the old king's relatives? Because they don't want any competition. We don't want anyone, you know, laying claim to the throne. But David had a different heart about him. And David was secure in God. And he knew that he had been anointed and he knew that... uh, God placed him there, and he was, he was okay with all this. So, so he asked, so he goes, he goes to Ziba and said, who's left? You know, Ziba has, like I said, a servant's heart. He reminds me of Barnabas. Y'all know Barnabas in the, in the New Testament? Uh, in fact, the name Barnabas means helper or encourager. How, how would you, wouldn't that be cool if your name was encourager? Can I say this? We have a lot of positions, a lot of titles in the church. I wish one of the titles we would have would be encourager. We should just make that an official title. Oh, I like that idea. Just, just these are the encouragers. And, of course, nobody wants to be that because that means you can't ever be down. So that's, that's a bummer. But... We need encouragers in the church. And listen, you know who you are. But I want to encourage you today to take up your role and to understand if God has gifted you in that way. If you're somebody who knows how to encourage, knows how to uplift, who knows how to say a kind word, who knows how to, uh, how to shake someone's hand or hug their neck and tell them they're loved and, and, and cared for. If you're an encourager, I, wanna, I want to encourage you, take the title and do the job and, and work what God has equipped you to be and to do. Amen. How many got me? How many got me? How many got me? I, I don't know how to, how to formalize that. I don't know how to organize that. Uh, that would be difficult. But, but from the pulpit, from the Word of God, if you're an encourager, be one. And don't wait for them to come to you. Find ways to do it. Isn't that really what, what love is? I wonder if we should all be encouragers. You know, Barnabas was the mediator between, between uh, uh, well, he helped Saul before he became Paul, protected him, spoke for him, went out on a limb for him before the church trusted him. It's hard to trust people that killed your friends. <laughs> but Barnabas went out on a Listen, we need people who are willing to go out on a limb for somebody and speak for them and believe in them. He was the mediator when Paul and John Mark weren't getting along. You know, he tried to 
cause reconciliation. We need more Zybas in the church. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. That's what we need in these days. Let's look at David for a moment because David right now, though he's king, he has need of a Ziba. He doesn't know how to do what he needs to do, so he looks for someone who has a servant's heart to do what needs to be done. You know, David looks good now, but we know David has had a journey. He's been through some stuff. Come on. And, and, and sometimes we look at people where they are now, and we think, oh, yeah, it's easy for them. But David's been through some stuff, and just quick, he, you know, he, he was probably, when he was anointed king, he was probably 15 years old. He met Goliath probably when he was somewhere around 19. We know he wasn't 20, because if he was 20, he would be in the army. So he wasn't older than 19. <laughs> Isn't that something? Anointed king at 15, and he's out herding sheep. Listen, I got a word for some of you. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're yet appointed. Sometimes people get too big for their britches. Well, God called me. Yeah, well, when you're ready, we'll let you know. But David wasn't ready for anything until he met Goliath. (laughs) Sometimes that trial, that battle, that, listen, some of you need a giant in your life before you can get to your appointment. And some of you are saying, well, I've got all these trials, all these tribulations. Yeah, those giants will launch you into your appointment from your anointment. Oh, God, help us in this place. Amen. So don't curse the giants. Defeat the giants. You've got to fight. I heard this yesterday. You've got to fight your giant if you want to get ahead in the world. For those of you who don't, don't have a clue what I'm talking about, go home and read your Bible. Oh, Jesus, help us. Sometimes we have to fight giants to get to the place where God wants us. So you've got to realize, I mean, at 19, he got accelerated from, from a nobody herding sheep to, the, to marrying the king's daughter and coming into his place. But we know that for the next four years, he's, Saul's trying to kill him. And, and for four years, he's living out in the wilderness from 19 till about 23, and he raises an army, and, and, and people are gathered to him. Now, he's in his early 20s raising an army, praise God, living in caves, uh, running from Saul. And, and, and then finally, about age 23, somewhere in there, he, he gets anointed king over Judah, just one tribe, Judah, at 23. He, he's king of Judah for seven years. And then all of Israel comes along and anoints him king, and he reigns for 40 years. I like that number, 40. He reigns for 40 years, and somewhere around the age of 70, he dies. I don't relate to that. Jesus, help us. So... He knows what it is to do without and be without. He knows what it is to be hunted. He knows what it is to be anointed and not appointed. So he looks for somebody in Saul's lineage that's still alive, and that guy is Mephibosheth. See, 
Mephibosheth is the grandson of Saul. He's really the heir to the throne. He had a bright future, but somebody dropped him. If you don't know the story, when he was just five years old, his nurse was running with him, trying to escape, and she drops him. Can you imagine how you would feel to drop a baby? And he gets dropped at five years and lands on his ankles and breaks his ankles. And, and for some reason, you know, with doctoring the way it is then, his ankle bones never healed. And he was never able to walk. And now, of course, Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead, his father. And he's living in a place called Lodabar. He's hiding out. He expects David to find him and kill him because he's the competition for the throne. Wow. Lodibar is a word that means a place of no communication. It means L-O in the Hebrew is the negative. It means no. And Dabar is the word that means word, literally. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where there is no word. You're just not hearing. You just don't have an answer. You just don't know what's next. You don't know what to do. That place is Lodabar. Anybody ever been in Lodabar? Oh, be honest. If you haven't been in Lodabar, it's because you got saved last Sunday. Lodabar. Just remember that. Every time you get there, just remember, oh, that's Lodabar. Where are you, God? I need a word from God. I need to hear from heaven. I need to know what to do. I need to know how to get out of this situation. And, and listen, Lodabar, if you know what it is, Lodabar is the best way to describe it. It's a ghetto. He's hiding out where no son of a king should be. He's not dressed like a king. He's not eating like a king. He's not living like a king. He's living in fear. He's hiding out. He's, in the, he's on the other side of the tracks. Lodabar can also mean no pasture. It's just a place where it's dry. There's no water. There's no food. And if I stay here, I'm going to die. If you're in Lodabar, you need a zeba. You need somebody who knows you're there. You need someone who knows how to get you to the king. <laughs> Come on, church. You say, well, I don't know who that is. My God, I'm preaching to you this morning. For this service is over, I'm going to get you out of Lodabar. By the grace and power of the Holy Ghost, you're coming out. You're coming out this morning. Amen. You need a Zeba. You need someone who cares, someone who knows the way, someone who has connections. How many believe your pastor's got a few connections? <laughs> Glory to God. And let me tell you, there's people in your family that, that aren't here today. There's friends and relatives that you know that aren't here today. And church, I can't preach to them. Maybe you can give them this message, or maybe you can be Zeba to them. Maybe you're Ziba. I want to call them all kinds of things, but it's Ziba. 
<laughs> Come on, church. So I'm preaching to two kinds of people. This morning I'm preaching to those who need a Ziba, and I'm preaching to those who need to be a Ziba. Someone who knows how to carry that person into the king's presence. Preacher, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's real easy. You just pick them up and carry them. Come on. It's not rocket science. Just introduce them to Jesus. Just tell them how it happened for you. You don't have to be a theologian. Just tell Listen, we, it's time. Listen, we're in a season of harvest. It's time to let some people know that God is still alive. It's time to let... There's a lot of angry people out there. There's, there's a lot of lonely people. Out, there's a lot of hurting people out there. Amen. It's time, church. If the church is ever going to shine, now is the time to shine and be the church. There's people who don't even know that the church is even relevant anymore. If it, if it, there are people who say, people still go to church. They're so disconnected. But they need a Ziba. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in need of a Ziba. Things are going sideways. How many know the story of Job? Poor Job. The only person God didn't take was his wife. Gloria wants to preach on Job's wife because she takes her side. All right, Job... I mean, look what happened to Job, Job chapter 1. Just, let me just hit this a little bit because maybe you haven't read. He said there was a day when Job's sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. Uh-huh. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants of the heirs of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. The devil will always let someone get to you that, to aggravate you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them all, and I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. And Job's like, Boy, I'm having a bad day. While he was still speaking, are you getting this in your getting this picture? Here comes someone else. Came and said that. The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Now you need to understand, Job is a very wealthy man. The book of Job is actually probably the oldest book in the Bible, story-wise. This is probably before Abraham. There were very few cities at this point. Uh, he probably owns, who knows how many thousands of acres. He's one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Are you getting this? While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are all dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. You know, it's one thing to lose your stuff. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and... And, and naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
can I give you a bit of advice? If you'll take this advice, listen, you may not be here today, but you'll need this. What I'm about to say is going to help you. Whenever you're hit with a crisis or a major problem, come on, don't waste time figuring out the why. Just focus on survive. You may never know the why. You may know the why later. But if all you're consumed with is why is this happening, you're wasting your time. You need to focus on not the why, but how do I survive this? Job didn't say, God, why? He just worshiped. Oh, I know it's hard to worship when you've lost it all. It's easy to worship when you got it all, when you're one of the richest men on the planet. He's the Bill Gates of his day. He's got everything. But when he lost it all, he said, I started with nothing. I'll go home with nothing anyway. The Lord gave. The Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't need to know why, but, I'm, but I know what to do. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him anyway. Quit wasting time on the why. I don't know if you even knew the why, if it would satisfy you. It's simply what you've got to focus on is not the why, but the how do I survive. Does that help anybody? So Ziba, so Ziba carries him, say carries him, to the king. You know, it's one thing to carry a baby around. It's something else to carry a grown man. And it's embarrassing. There are moments in our lives where we don't want to admit we're weak. Come on, man. There are times in our life we don't want anyone to know how messed up we feel. It's embarrassing to have somebody carry you when you're a grown man. It's just humiliating. He carries him into the king's presence. How, how helpless do you think you, you would feel? You can't run. You can't hide. He's carrying you. I thought about illustrating that and have somebody carry me, but I couldn't find anyone strong enough. He carries him. And, 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 and the Bible says he, he just lays him at the steps to the throne. He's just laying there. He can't even stand. He can't bow. He, he just has to lay there looking up at David, thinking maybe David called him there to kill him. And there he's laying. He feels like a dead dog. Wow. He's totally at David's mercy. Listen, if, you're, if there's just no solution but God, that's a good place to be. You're okay. Don't, don't ever say all I have left is prayer because that's what you had at the beginning. That's what you had in the middle. That's what you have in the end. Amen. Don't ever say all that's left is prayer like there's no hope in that. Listen, listen. prayer is all you'll ever need. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with just laying at the feet of Jesus. 
Sometimes you just got to admit, I can't walk anymore. And just lay at the feet of Jesus. Wow. But you know what? David changed his clothes. David changed his address. Never went back to Lodabar. Didn't have anything there to move out anyway. He, he, he changed his future. You know, the question is, why didn't, why didn't God heal him? Sat him at the king's table, but he never healed him. How many want to know why? Come back next week. I, I love, you, you're familiar with Psalms 23, verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table. Didn't David prepare a table? Before me, in the presence. He didn't say, I prepared a table away from the battle. I prepared a table in the midst. I I didn't take you away from your enemies. I'm preparing a table in the middle of your enemies. They might be all around you. But you're not fighting. You're eating. It looks dangerous, but you're okay. It looks like you're outnumbered, but you're in a good place. Oh, come on, church. In the middle of a war, in the middle of people fighting and feuding and blood and guts and sword play and all kinds of things going on, you're there, steak and lobster. Battle all around you, but you got your Bluetooth going, and all you hear is the sweet sound of heaven. Come on, church. A body could fall right next to you, and you just take another piece of steak. Come on, am I getting to anybody here? He didn't heal him, but he put him at the table. I don't know why God doesn't do what, what, what you know, why he doesn't do certain things. Second Corinthians chapter 12, you remember this story about the apostle Paul. Uh, he says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh. For those of you that want, oh God, give me more revelations. Watch for the thorn. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Wow. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. How many believe Paul was a man of faith? How many believe he could, he could pray and things happen? Three times that it might depart from me. This really bothered him. And God said to him, my grace. Sometimes you don't get delivered. You have to ride on his grace. Sometimes you've got to be made to understand that grace is sufficient. Some of us need to just give in and say, God, your grace is sufficient. I can't walk, but your grace. I got some problems, but your grace. 
I, I don't feel like I'm, I don't know, I, I'm feeling like I'm losing. But your grace is sufficient for me. And oh, by the way, my strength, say his strength, is made perfect in my weakness. Let me interpret that. You'll never see the strength of God in your life until you allow him to bless you in your weakest moments. You'll never see God at the top until you've lived at the bottom. You'll never dine with him in the palace uh, until you've lived in Lodabar for a few years. Uh, sometimes uh, you have to really feel weakness to know just how strong my God is. Oh, somebody. Somebody praise him in the house. Listen, last point. He covers us at the king's table. He seats us at the king's table. How many know David had some sons? And before, before they ever came in, old Ziba dressed him up. Remember when, remember when Lazarus came out of the tomb and he was still bound? And Jesus didn't, if, listen, don't you think if Jesus can bring somebody back from the dead, he could take the stupid bandages off? No. How many believe he does, he leaves some things for the church to do? He said, you. You know, he comes out, he comes out of the grave. And they start unwrapping him. What's that? Praise God! And they keep unwrapping him until his hands are free. And they keep unwrapping him until he... And they keep unwrapping him until he... I might need a partner. Hang in there. <laughs> How many believe this would be a bad idea? Because of me, because of me. Somebody has to take the bandages off. But, but Ziba dressed him like a king's kid. Brought him, before anyone else got there, whew, brought him into the king's table, which, which would be huge. I didn't want to put a huge table. And sat him down at the king's table. And the rest of the sons come in. And David comes in. He's just as tall as everybody else. He looks like everybody else. He's eating, communing, talking, celebrating, laughing, joking. He's one of the king's kids. He should be dead, but he's sitting and eating at the king's table. Oh, God. Oh, I'm so gracious for you, so thankful that you take all our woundedness, all of our hurt, all of our inability, all of our shortcomings, downfalls, and you dress us up like king kids and feed us king food, kingly food, the best in the kingdom. 
and you seat us at your table. 